Blog Talk Radio. I have an emergency. What is your location? Amen. Good morning. Yes, the war continues. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this very beautiful day. Awesome. Awesome God you are that you keep us in the midst of this warfare and the hostility and aggression against the kingdom of God. We thank you that you have, you are the God of the the Lord of the hosts, the captain of the hosts. You have defeated our enemy. And Lord, in that you are great. And I thank you, Lord God, for giving us an idea and understanding, opening our eyes today, our ears to hear and understand what prayer is all about and how to prevail in prayer, the fearless praying of the righteous, Lord God, and that you would give us a new understanding, a new depth, a new anointing, energize, activate us to pray and intercede, make intercessions for those things that need to be brought now before the court of heaven. And I thank you, Jesus, for the great men of old, Daniel, Nehemiah, Ezra, the various ones, Paul, who made these kinds of prayers, Lord God, boldly before the throne of grace and mercy. I thank you, Jesus, that you have come with salvation. You have come with power to give us authority over all the power of the enemy. I thank you, Lord, we are not defeated, Lord God, that we, are, we will not grow weary in well-doing. I thank you, Lord God, that you've also promised us, and all of it's based on your promises. Everything's based on your promises and us believing them because of faith, Lord, that you have promised us that no weapon formed against us will prosper, that no word said, no deed done, no action taken will be able to be used by the enemy to bring forth any shame, trouble, or reproach. We pray the divine covering and protection for our families and those who are with us, those who work for us, pray for us, love us, the many and the remnant who cre- seek out, cry out for your um, intervention in their lives, answers to prayer, encouragements, Lord God, breakthroughs. Give us wisdom and counsel. Uh, and you said the fervent, effectual prayer, effectual, effective prayer of the righteous man avails much. So let us be effective in our praying and let us learn it, Father God, in Jesus' name. Amen. So welcome to Rescue Radio. Yes, welcome. Well, the subject of prayer has been... Uh... <laughs> It's a big, big subject, and we're talking about it today. Yes, and before we do that, I suppose it would be nice for us to introduce ourselves, which we hardly ever do. I'm Margie. And I'm Jerry. And we represent Life Recovery and? True Light Church. Yes, so we got a little bit of background foundation. We've been in this war for a long time, so we're like, we kind of like used to it, I guess. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, so we're going to talk about fearless praying and effective praying today. So go ahead. Well, prayer, first of all, is... You know, it's by definition, it's communication with God. Okay. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we think of prayer is that, you know, we bring a list of our needs or our grievances before Lord. We just talk, 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 and we don't listen, listen, listen. Mm -hmm. But really communication is is a two-way street. So we are communicating with God. That means we're both listening to him, listening to his word, listening to his voice, and then coming into agreement with his with his will, with what he wants, uh, for with sure, who he is, sure. and with what he uh, what? what he wants done. Okay, so Hebrews says, as you mentioned, to come boldly before the throne of grace and mercy. Hebrews four sixteen, um, well fifteen starts out. We have a high priest who has been able to sympathize with our weaknesses. Uh, he was in all points tempted or tested like we are, yet without sin. So then he says, let us therefore come boldly, that, I like that word, boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So and two, so that's what prayer is also. Right. Two things we need is mercy and grace. And so the, God has given us an open invitation to come to him, to commune with him. Mm-hmm. And that's just boldly. really amazing mm-hmm. that we can be in communication uh, through the Holy Spirit with the God of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth. I know. And it's like, okay, so that's, this is a great privilege, a great position to become right before the throne of grace and mercy. And yet, as we see, like in the Psalms, for example, the psalmist, how in 43, the, the psalmist is saying, Lord, my soul is downcast within me. Oh, Lord, how can I vindicate me? Oh, God. Plead my cause against my, an ungodly nation or against my enemy. Deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. This is kind of a continual p- complaint. Vindication 
is a big part of answers to prayer because we'll see then in a minute how this all works together. And there's a deeper understanding we have to have about what goes on in that court of heaven, throne of grace and mercy when it comes to prayer. And until we understand that process, we will not be able to effectively make our prayers known. We just come with our little individual prayer requests, sometimes our lists, you know, the ladies prayer meeting, we come with the lists and we share, we mingle it with a bunch of gossip and whatnot. And we kind of like just go through the motions. Maybe they're, I'm, I'm not criticizing ladies prayer meetings, please. They're wonderful. Prayer chains are great. Awesome. People have prayed. God has heard. Many people have been saved, set free and healed because of it. But we come into the places sometimes where we get a little defeated personally. Um, Why are you so downcast, O my soul? In Psalm 42, verse 2, the prayer is saying, my my tears have been my food day and night. Well, they continually say, where is your God? So he is being challenged not only to believe God, but coming up against his own feelings and emotions. And he says in verse five, why are you so downcast? O my soul, why are you so disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Um, why are you cast down? Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore I will remember. And then he goes on to tell himself, reminding himself of who God is and, and, and praying to the, this prayer to the God of his life. He's realizing that he is, that God is his life. Although he, He's in his emotions, in his soul, questions and disputes are coming up like, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning about the, with the oppression of the enemy? Um, my bones are breaking. My enemy is reproaching me. Um, where is my God? So in his soul, there was a huge resistance. And that's what we have to understand. Sometimes we get discouraged in our prayers. That huge resistance that comes up in our soul. Why are you cast down, oh, my soul? And why are you so disquieted within me? Hope in God. For I will yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. Well, often we what we have is 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 the waiting time. You know, we we don't like to wait in America. We want everything right now, mm-hmm. and so part of that is is the, there's the war, there's the resistance, and then there's the waiting. Not but everything we, is instantly uh, answered. I know, but the waiting is one of the obstacles, and I think that's waiting through and waiting upon God. This one is, is wading through the emotions, and that's the very first obstacle because a lot of times people don't even pray because after a while they're conditioned to believe, well, it doesn't really work anyway. God doesn't answer my prayers. He, you know, I prayed, and it didn't work, and it didn't happen, and blah, blah, blah. So, um, but in, for, in Psalm 44, we kind of have a continuation of this. Um, he's struggling in prayer with his feelings of being abandoned in verse 9. He says, um, but you have cast us off and put us to shame, and you do not go with us out with our armies and he's saying where are you god you know you we've kind of been abandoned uh we've been brought to shame and he says um all this has come then he then he kind of realizes all of this has come upon us but we have not forgotten you nor have we dealt falsely with your covenant so he's reminding himself of the covenant our our hearts have not turned back nor have our steps departed from your way but you have severely broken us in the place of jackals and covered us with the shadow of death if we had forgotten the name of our God or stretched out our hand to a foreign God, would God not search this out? For he knows the secrets of the heart. Yet, for your sake, we are killed all day long, and we are counted as sheep of the slaughter. So why, why, and why? Why is this man so penitent, so earnest, so seeking God, so even reminding God that he has kept his, his uh, commandments, his covenant, and God is seeming to have allowed him to be taken over or overwhelmed by his enemies? Um, why do you hide your face and forget our afflictions and our oppression? For our soul has bowed down to the dust. Our bodies cling to the ground. Arise for our help and redeem us for your mercy's sake. So this man is learning how to make his petition to God. And even as I remember the, the woman who had the daughter who was back home, demon-possessed, and her and Jesus, this woman, the mother, and Jesus had this conversation. And it was kind of like a dialogue between Jesus, why should I come you're a Samaritan or you're a, she was a, Thai, a Syrophoenician. Syrophoenician. Why should I come to your house and do this? Because you are not, a, I've come to the Jews. Jesus was just, really, Jesus wasn't being resistant. He was really just allowing her to demonstrate her faith and her earnest desire. But she was wise enough to, to when he brought up, you know, that, that resist, that comment, she said, you know, he says, why should we give the, the, the bread to the dogs? 
I can't throw the bread to the dogs. This is, this is the stuff that belongs to the children of God. And she says, but, she says, the little dogs. I'll be willing to be a little dog and eat under your table, and the crumbs will be enough. And so with that marvelous uh, comeback, she was able, and of course, the Holy Spirit inspired her to do it. And it was all cool because God had it all planned anyway that he was going to answer her prayer. But so, so she was able to prevail in faith. And that's kind of what this psalmist is having to do, you know, struggling through your own, you know, past experiences, unanswered prayers, uh, hope defeated makes the heart, uh, yeah, hope defeated makes the heart mm-hmm. sick, all those kinds of things. Something to keep in mind is that the Psalms are written to, as songs. But a lot of them are really struggles prayer. in prayer, mm-hmm. you know, and, and reminders, dealing with the resist, dealing with the, the need, first of all, the resistance, and then questioning, Lord, I, there's so many things here I don't understand. Mm-hmm. But the Psalms come, uh, they come out on top. The writers mm-hmm. of the Psalms come out on top, but because they get the real focus on God, even though everything is not resolved mm-hmm. in, 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 in the Psalm. They come to the place of saying, Lord, you are God. You're taking care of this. So that really faith is triumphing right, exactly. in the midst of all these struggles right, exactly. in the, the Psalms. Exactly. It's the promise that God has made that he is faithful. And in this process of the struggle or the, the conflict, God's character is also being called into question by fear. Uh, by the enemy who would want us to think God is not faithful and the promises God has made to us are not good. But in Jeremiah chapter 15, we see an issue here that's being brought up. Um, in, let's try 14 first. So he goes on, he's, he's starting to cry out that just been in the place of a great doubt, drought and doubt. Yeah. And um, they've wandered away from God. And he says in um, uh, verse seven, Oh Lord, though our iniquities testify against us, do it for your name's sake. He's asking him to bring help and relief. Now, if that word testify against us, that is an interesting, where are, where are these testimonies being made? These sins that are being brought up before the face of God to testify against us. Uh, you know, what is going on that we must understand in the background? For we have sinned against you for our black backslidings are many. We have sinned against you, O hope of Israel, his savior in the time of trouble. Why? Uh, should you be like a stranger in the land? Why, why, isn't God, why aren't you here helping us, God? Why should you be like, you know, like you're not helping us? And he says, um, you, you know, we've called on your name. Do not leave us. But then he goes on to, to talk about it's the sins, the iniquities, you know, obviously that have come up somehow to prevent the salvation, the deliverance, the intervention of their God, their Savior. So in um, he says uh, in verse 10, at 14, he says, thus says the Lord to this people. Now, now God is responding. He's saying, you have loved to wander. They have restrained, not restrained their feet. Therefore, the Lord does not accept them. He will remember their iniquity now and punish their sins. He will remember their iniquity now and punish their sins. What is he saying? Um, he's saying that you've wandered, you've sinned, you have turned to my, to my en- enemy. You've looked to Satan. You've looked to the liar. You've looked to him for counsel, for comfort, through idolatry, through witchcraft, through worshiping of idols and demons, you have actually sided with him. You've given your agreement to him, and therefore I can't, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're asking for his help and intervention right now. And the rule is, the rule of the war and the conflict is, Romans 6.16, whom you yield yourself, servant to obey his slave, you become. Jesus says if you believe, if you commit sin, you become the servant of sin. You said the truth will set you free. So if you're believing a lie, coming into an agreement with the lie, and believing the lies and the solutions of the evil one, then God is saying, you're preventing me. Um, your sins are testifying against you. Satan is bringing up into the court of heaven the fact that you have chosen him. And he is petitioning also his case that he be granted his request to be able to judge or, dis- or deal with the rebellion or, or, or do what he wants to do with us. And so God is put in a tough spot. Well, there's one aspect, too, as we, we look at the Old Testament, the people of God, you know, the backslidings, the idolatry, mm-hmm. the, the corruption that they were involved in because they turned away from God. Sometimes we, we miss this part, is that the nation of Israel was called to be a witness to the world. To the truth, yeah. To the truth of mm-hmm. God, the, the, to the heathen. And so 
there's always a redemptive purpose beyond themselves that they were missing. It's interesting in, in uh, Jeremiah 14, uh, we read that verse, verse seven in the Amplified Bible. It says, O Lord, though our iniquities testify against us, praise Jeremiah, deal and work with us for your own sake, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that the heathen may witness your might and faithfulness. Mm-hmm. For our backslidings are many, for we have sinned against you. So he brings up that he ha- he's aware of, it's not just us. There's a redemptive purpose in the world for us that's testimony. being hindered yeah. because of all our backslidings and all these uh, things that we have allowed to hinder us. So he's saying to God, for your own sake, verify, validate, vindicate us. Uh, for your own mercy's sake, because we are your people. And God would always say that. He said, I'm going to judge you. I'm going to let the enemy come in, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, but I will restore you. So God was always, you know, even though he was having to allow them to be punished and and receive what they asked for, what they, you know, wanted, God was always there to, once they'd learned their lesson, so to speak, or the enemy had had his way with them for a while, he was then bringing them back and their backslidings were actually the things that were bringing them to God. But the testimony of these sins was what Satan was using to dispute God's continued blessing upon these people. Satan would say, well, look, God, they're not loving you. They're following me. They're worshiping me. They're, they've got these golden images. They've got these, these superstitions. They're, they're, they're definitely not following you. So why do you get to bless them? That's not right. It, it's right that I should have them. And, I, and without an intercessor, without someone to can begin to confess the sins and the iniquities and, and turn this thing around, there, there can, you know, this just goes on and on and on. And that's what I think we need now in America. We need someone to confess the sins and, and like the Jeremiah's and the Nehemiah's of old. Well, the war is, is always, Satan is always out to neutralize and destroy the people of God. Mm-hmm. All right from the beginning. That's the thing is to to keep us all crippled, bound, uh, uh, fearful, unbelieving, uh, to keep us in our own little cocoon of, of, of misery and things mm-hmm. that we have oftentimes inflicted upon ourselves. We've opened the door to the enemy. And so then we are come to the place of being, in a sense, uh, powerless and overwhelmed and overcome. When God has not called us to be overcome, he's, he's called us to be overcomers, not to be overcome by evil, but, but to overcome, overcome evil, evil with good. good. In 14 of 14, Jeremiah, the Lord says to Jeremiah, the prophets prophesy lies in my name. So God is beginning to say, this is what was going on. This is how this has happened. They prophesy lies in my name. They have not sent, I have not sent them, commanded them, or spoken to them. They prophesy to you a false vision, divination, a worthless thing, and the deceit of their heart. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who prophesy in my name, whom I did, did not send, and et cetera, et cetera. And then he goes on to say, they're telling you a lie. Therefore, you shall say this word to them, let my eyes flow with tears night and day, and let them not cease for my virgin daughter of my people. So he's saying to Jeremiah, that there's, there's, great, there's great things at stake here. This is the life, the death, the the, uh, the, the safety of this nation is at stake for this, and this intercession is extremely important. So then Jeremiah in verse 20 says, Okay, so we acknowledge, O Lord, our wickedness and the iniquity of our fathers, for we have sinned against you. Do not abhor us for your namesake. Do not disgrace the throne of your glory. Remember, do not break your covenant with us. So he's saying, God, here's, here's three reasons I'm making my petition to you. We're, we sinned. I acknowledge it. We believe the lies of the diviners and the false prophets and the, and the seducers. I confess those things as sin and abomination, and I acknowledge that wickedness, and it's brought us to wickedness. And it's been going on for a long time because our fathers were doing it too. We have sinned against you, against your holiness, against your truth, against your, your promise, against your goodness. So don't hate us, but for your own sake, for your own namesake, because you cannot lie. You cannot do that which is evil or bad. Do not disgrace the throne of your God. Don't let Satan get by with this. Don't let this come looking like shame on you, Lord God, because you are not a God who did anything wrong. And don't break your covenant. Remember the covenant with us, Lord God. Um, 
there's there's no idols. Then he goes on to say, there's no idols among all that we've you know in the nation that can cause the rain or bring the showers or or stop this deluge, the, the drought. Actually, um, are are we not? <clears throat> so he says, are you not He, O God, our God? Therefore, we will wait for you, since you have made all these. So he's saying, we're settling it, God. You're with. We we have to return to you, and that's exactly what he says in fifteen Jeremiah fifteen. He says. Um, Again, all of your sins, our sins have brought this upon because of your sins throughout your territories. I will make you cross over with your enemies. In other words, you're going to go into captivity into a land you do not know. So God is saying, I have to do this because the people, Jeremiah is doing great, but the people are not with him on this at all. There's one man standing in the gap interceding. And so the Lord is saying, basically, it's the sins and it, it's the only way I can do it. But, but he had to temporarily, God, had to temporarily let the enemy um, chasten the people or take them into captivity. And that was that 70-year captivity. But he says in verse 19, therefore, thus says the Lord, if you return, then I will bring you back, of course, into that captivity they were going to be going into. You shall stand before me if you take the precious from the vile. You shall be as my mouth. And then he says, to, let them return to you, but you must not go after them or return to them. Um, he says, I'm going to make you strong, Jeremiah. They'll fight against you. They will not prevail. I am with you because God knew Jeremiah was going to be thrown into the pit and all kinds of other things before this was all said and done. He says, I will deliver you from the hand of the wicked and I will redeem you from the grip of the terrible. And this is really what we need to understand that this grip of the terrible is where many of us are at these days. Um, in that, whether it's in your uh, life-threatening uh, situation, health-wise, relationally, uh, something that's being thwarted and disputed by the kingdom of darkness before, about you, concerning you or your life in the, in the courts of heaven. And so God is inviting us again, as Hebrews says, to come boldly before the throne of grace and mercy, to make petitions um, for ourselves. But again, let's look at what Isaiah says, because there is another problem here. And again, it's the same problem in Isaiah 59. In starting with verse one, he says the, the the hand of the Lord is not shortened that he cannot save or his ear heavy that he cannot heal or hear. I'm saying, but your iniquities have separated you from your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear you. So if we're going into prayer and we feel like God is not hearing us, he says, for your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity and your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue has muttered perversity. No one calls for justice. No one pleads for truth. They trust in empty words and speak lies. They conceive evil and bring forth iniquity. This is exactly what we as a nation, as a world, as the world are experiencing right now in our relationship with God. There is so much sin and iniquity and injustice and truth is falling in the street and there is no justice to be found. Therefore, justice is far from us, nor does righteousness overtake us. Verse 9, we look for light, but there's darkness for brightness, but we walk in, the, in blackness. We grope for the wall like, a blind, like the blind. And in verse um, 12, he says, for, your trans, our, for our transgressions are multiplied before you and our sins testify against us. Here's that word again. Our trespasses are with us. And as for our iniquities, we know them. So we're... we're actually in a court battle. In our prayers, I really believe that we are in a battle in the courtrooms of heaven. And Satan brings his, presents his case like he did with God in Job. He presented his case before God for Peter. I'm going to sift you as we, Jesus intervened, prayed for Peter. But, you know, and we've talked about that in various radio shows, but the thing is, these necessary uh, pressures, tests um, become necessary for us so that we will be converted and truly be bought and paid for, sold out to converted and completely convinced that the promises of God are true. Yeah. We see all through, you know, as you've read in Jeremiah and Isaiah, Daniel chapter nine, um, Nehemiah uh, chapter one, verses one through 11. We see all these prayers and what we call in most of these, these prayers are like identity. Uh, what we call identification repentance. So it's basically what it is, is one man praying. Now, James said that the effectual work 
a fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Essentially, what we're seeing is uh, we could call it vicarious prayer. In standing words, in the prayer, gap. Standing in the gap, mm-hmm. making up the hedge, identification, repentance for the sins and wickedness of the nation. And so. So in Daniel, as you mentioned, Daniel chapter nine, we have a perfect example of this. Um, if you're in Daniel, um, and he, he shows us too in chapter nine, verse one, how he began to, well, the time and the era, but how he began to prepare for this test. Um, he realized that Jeremiah's prophecy was about to be accomplished. And so Daniel was after Jeremiah. And so he was making petition for the return of the Jews and for the, um, the work of the Lord to continue. He says, verse three, then I set my face towards the Lord God to make request by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth and ashes. So he's preparing himself. He's, he's reducing the distractions. He's focusing on this one thing. He's not trying to do multitasking here. He's not trying to, you know, pray and text on his phone at the same time or talk to someone else. He's, he's actually just set himself apart, aside, praying, fasting, um, because this is very serious. He says, and I prayed to the Lord God and made confession. Here he is doing the same thing Jeremiah did. Confession and said, oh, Lord, great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments. You can just see that like this, Daniel is going up before the high court of heaven. And like Jesus said in the Our Father, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He's coming in with this first address, addressing the judge, the righteous judge, as the holy, awesome one, as the, the, um, the great and awesome God. Uh, Jesus, again, in the Our Father, the pattern of prayer. The outline for prayer gave us the same kind of initial. You go into that throne. You go into that place of intercession. You don't freak out and begin to start with all your needs and wants and freak out, panic stuff. You start by acknowledging the Lord God. Many, many times people just pray the problem over and over and over and over. You, every time you pray the problem, you have reinforced the lie. You've reinforced the problem. You have given it greater precedence and greater position in your mind, in your heart than the truth of God. For nothing is impossible with God. All things are possible with God. So to focus on God first and foremost, even in the turning around of a nation, which is a pretty big thing, we have God who is willing for his name's sake, for his covenant's sake, for his goodness sake, to to deliver and heal because it is his heart's desire, God is good, to do a blessing, to, to bless his people. So he says, then he goes on to say, he begins to, after he's acknowledged the greatness of God, and he, re, he reminds him, he says, of the covenant. We have done wickedly. We've rebelled, departing from the precepts of our God. Oh, I'm sorry, verse four. Um, and made confession and said, O oh Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments. He's reminding God of the promises that God made in the covenant. And that is where it all goes back to. Prayer begins with reminding ourselves of God's faithfulness, God's promises. It doesn't start out with the problem. It doesn't even start out with repentance. It starts out with remembering the promise. This is where you get the faith to go up to the high court of heaven. Does that make sense? Yeah, that, that you, you, that's the ground that we need to stand on. Right. You know, because we ask uh, anything, First John chapter um, five verse fourteen says, "If we um, let me just let me just read it exactly. Ask, ask anything according to his. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know that we have. we have we know that we have the petitions we have desired of him. So, so really, we have to. One of the things in prayer is knowing his yeah. will. Sometimes we pray to know the will of God, but in prayer, it's important that we." have some basic knowledge of the will. What is the will of God for that situation? And then like Daniel come into agreement. with Right, him. exactly. And that's what he's doing. He reminds, well, he knows God's will. The covenant is to uh, bring the people into that place of obedience. And also God's already promised desire and indication was to bring them back to their land where they've been scattered. Um, then, then, Dar- then Daniel does what Nehemiah does, what they all do when they starting a great task. Um, he can begins to confess. Verse five, we have sinned and committed iniquity. 
We have done wickedly and rebelled, even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and princes, to our fathers, and to all the people of Israel. O Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but to us shame of face, as it is this day, to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and all Israel, who those near and those far off, in all the countries to which you have driven them, because of the unfaithfulness in which they have committed against you, the unfaithfulness which they have committed against you. Now he's saying, God, you drove them off, but we understand that was not God's will to ever drive them off. But it had to be done because Satan was petitioning for that very thing, that they be scattered, they be driven away. That was his request because they're now his following him. And so therefore he again, and this is the, this goes back to the same pattern in Eden where Satan got, you know, because there was an agreement, because there was a, a sin that was based on a, 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 an agreement. And now he was able to drive them, uh, take the garden over, and eventually they were driven out of the garden. That was not God's will. God's will was not to create paradise to drive the, people, the children of uh, Adam and Eve out. It was, but God's will is uh, sometimes put on hold. God's perfect will is put on hold so that his permissive will can, can be means we get free will, which makes it difficult for God sometimes to move forward in his perfect will until we acknowledge our sins. So the most important thing, I think, in terms of how this is relevant for us today as a nation is to confess the sins. And we have the same sins, believing lies, listening to false prophets, the idolatry, the iniquity, hating justice, hating truth. Um, and you know what? As a, if you, I, you don't have to wait for a whole mass of people that just begin to pray and intercede, go to the throne boldly and begin to confess the sins coming into the place of petitioning because we're actually petitioning God for the reversal of Satan's request. We're coming in under the advocacy of Jesus Christ to present the plan, the purpose, the desires of the kingdom of God. So we have a right to appear before that court, come boldly before that throne of grace and mercy, just like the enemy does. But most of us don't even get in the door because we are not sure uh, because we're afraid we're sinful and God's mad at us and we don't know how to get in that courtroom with peace and with confidence because we're just filled with fear, unbelief, and doubt. So in Jeremiah 6, he's asking to be heard. He's, he's making the specific request, and that's where we begin to pray. Um, make that specific request. Um, deliver us. You know, yes, we're ashamed, Lord God. Our kings, our queens, and whatnot. And as he begins to confess the sins, the things that the evil one would use to make his case against Nehemiah and, and Daniel and his petition, their petition. So we see this um, understanding the process, the, proce- the process, the procedures of prayer is a lot like, I just said, going to court. Well, it's a lot, yeah, going to court. <laughs> and so, again, all through these, these um, chapters in the scriptures, these books of the Bible, there are these long prayers of intercession. Now, uh, Second Chronicles seven fourteen says, "If of course we hear this over and over and over again, mm-hmm. if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin and heal their land." What I see, Marjorie, there's 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 something more than simply confessing that we're, we're sinned, we've, we've rotten, we've rebelled, we've turned against God. Mm-hmm. There has to be a turning from a wicked ways, mm-hmm. and then there has to be uh, changes in our actions. And many times, what I've seen over the years is that, you know, there, there are groups of intercessors that get together and pray this prayer, Second Chronicles seven fourteen, and we pray and pray mm-hmm. and pray and go on and on and on. Mm-hmm. But there is not really the changes in behavior. The steps are not taken. Who has the courage to actually make the changes? Now, you saw in when Nehemiah confessed all the sins and iniquities of, of the nation mm-hmm. that had brought about the destruction of Jerusalem, the wall, and so forth, there were specific steps taken to right. rebuild the wall. And, and, and it's just like the enemy had plugged up the... Uh, Mm-hmm. The wells that I think uh, Abraham had had dug, and those were reopened. So there are specific actions that take in answer to the prayer. We can't just pray the prayer. Confess. There has to be a positive change uh, and action steps taken to uh, 
Right, and right. Tends to reverse. Exactly. In Daniel nine thirteen, he he says, um, well twelve, he says, uh, and he has confirmed his word, which he spoke against us and against our judges, who judge us by bringing upon us a great disaster. For under the whole heaven, such never has been done as what has been done to Jerusalem. As is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us, yet we have not made our prayer before the Lord our, our God that we might turn from our iniquities and understand your truth. So the, here's the same problem in Daniel. They knew the disaster. They knew God had permitted it. They maybe didn't understand all of the technicalities of why and the, and the demonic you know, um, interventions or petitions to bring this disaster, but they still were stuck in not doing anything about it. And they didn't turn from their iniquities. And in near in Nehemiah, we see almost the same pattern again, where he comes before the Lord in verse chapter one. Um, he wept, mourned for many days, fasted, prayed before the Lord of heaven, God of heaven. Now this is not how we prepare for prayer. We, we don't even take the time. This, this preparation process uh, takes a little bit of time and focus. And that's one thing we are very, I shouldn't say that focus is one thing we must ask the Lord to help us with the stay on task to continue to, to you know, make this our primary effort and, um, and desire. I pray to the God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your, co- your covenant and mercy, um, let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open this day, your servant, and Jesus, conf- I pray before I pray before you now this day, day and night, for the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against you, both our fathers and I have sinned. So he's making it personal. He's going back to the generational sins. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments or the statutes or the ordinances. Remember, I pray, the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you. But if you return to me and keep the commandments and do them, Though some of you are cast out to the farthest parts of the heavens, yet I will, I will gather them from there, bring them back to the place where I've chosen. He said, God, you promised that if we repent, you would fix this. Oh, Lord, I pray thee, please let your ears be attentive to this prayer. See, he knew exactly what had went wrong, and he knew exactly what he needed to do. And so he was beginning to acknowledge the sin. And when you confess and acknowledge and repent, you are actually breaking off, taking away the, the thrust that the devil has in using our sin and disobedience as, as his exhibit A, as his evidence. When he presents his case, he brings up all those sins. Look, God, they're not, they're doing this. And the, I mean, his list is endless. Because why? Because he is crafty. He's the master craftsman on that list. He's made that list. And when you talk about people turning really genuine repentance, you're having to turn to think about genuine revelation and, and changing of their mind and acknowledging the sin and stopping to believe, stop believing the lie before you can actually have a behavior change. A, a behavior change. Yeah, it's a behavior change that needs to come about. And that's the hard thing. People will be willing to, to pray about it, but the behavior change, because we get so locked in our exactly. own behaviors and our, in our yep. churches, we get locked yep. into our certain ways of doing mm-hmm. things. And if we're going to make a real positive changes in the way God has directed us we think oh it's it's going to shake things up too much people right. are going to get mad we won't be able to do this anymore mm-hmm. we've got our pet projects talked, yeah. our pet doctrines our pet um, plans and programs and we don't want to disrupt that maybe god wants to just throw disrupt out a bunch everything. of stuff yeah. and who has the courage what leader has the courage to throw a bunch of things out and to start doing things differently according to the leading of the spirit of God. Well, even in our own families and uh, we, you know, we, it's too, it's too hard to make the changes, but that's why I believe God works. The, the process of sanctification is a constant process. It's a, you know, two steps forward, one step back, two steps forward, one step back. It might be something like that where the Lord is working with you to convince you that you can't do it like this anymore. You can't be like this anymore. You don't want to be like this anymore. And so, um, then it becomes and maybe a matter of sanctification and deliverance. Uh, sometimes the enemy is strongholding us in a place and a behavior, and it's just then not even anymore a matter of choice. It's a matter of being controlled by something and realizing that the tempter has already got you to the place where he's, he's t- handcuffed you, tied you up, and, and 
locked you up in the warehouse and you can't just get out just because you don't want to be there anymore. You need someone to come and rescue you. You need a deliverance and that you can cry out for. Even if you're sitting in that prison cell of Satan's locked up, you can cry out, but that crying out also is initiated by the throne of grace where the Holy spirit becomes and brings you that desire to change. And that's again, the revelation of Jesus Christ. So really everything Uh, there's an initiation of freedom that comes from the throne of grace, but we need to respond to it. So God needs to give us the grace to respond in courage and faith to the promise that we don't have to be like this. We don't have to live like this. We can change. And it doesn't matter what people think or say or what we think or say about ourselves or what our soul is saying, because the dispute and the debate between your soul and your spirit is going to be an ongoing thing until we see Jesus face to face. But in my spirit, if I walk in the spirit, I will not fulfill the lust and the corruptions and the destructions of the flesh. What's, what happens when we make those changes, we don't make those positive, I guess we could call them action steps, mm-hmm. then there is tremendous resistance from the enemy to, in, in making those Well, steps. I think there's even resistance before we make the changes. Well, to before just keep we us make, in that, that inertia. To keep us locked in. That dead yeah. state we, of inertia. Got, yeah. We've got that inertia to say, oh, I can't even, I'm too tired. It is I what it is. I, it is. Yeah. I can't get out of this. This is not going to work. But when you do take the positive steps, as we see in the book of Nehemiah, the positive steps to do something about it, do something specifically. There, was, there were assemblies of repentance and so forth that were taking place. Mm-hmm. But then there was the practical steps of rebuilding the wall. Mm-hmm. And they were resisted. At, there were, you know, Sanballat and Tobiah. They were upset because here's a man, Nehemiah that was seeking the welfare of Israel. Right, the, and, and the will thre- of God. They threatened, they resisted uh, constantly during this whole process. So a lot of people get dismayed and say, we, we want to make the change, but you know what? It's just too hard. The enemy comes in because he does want to keep us locked into our old ways. Well, and you think about it this way, too, that the children of God, when they were getting bound up and banged up and screwed up and and they were bringing shame to God because God was endorsing them. God was saying he was backing them. God, they were God's children. And so Satan was looking really good right then. And God was looking not really good at all. He was very, you know, I mean, don't we, we embarrass God, bring shame to God because, but, but on the other side, when we begin to pray and intercede and rise up and begin to uh, agree with God, connect with him and say, thy will be done. This puts the devil on the run because, now God is rising up. He's coming to deliver his children. His, his wrath is no more against them, but it is, it is against their enemy. And so when the devil contests the will of God in the court of heaven by getting us to sin and we go along with it, we use his solutions, and then he presents that case against God, he's really, God, look, ineffective and inept. And so, but when we write, when we, the people, it's like, It's whose report are we going to believe? When we rise up and begin to believe God, then the devil's disputes with God and his promises uh, begin to diminish because we're saying, thy will be done, O God, on earth. And um, we choose to follow him. So we have to realize that the devil disputes God and his promises. He he, um, reminds God that we have chosen to follow, uh, not chosen to follow God, but chosen to follow the devil. And that the, the faith and obedience that God requires because of the promises is not happening because the children of God are putting their faith in the devil. Um, they've chosen to follow him and his promises. You know, so according to the rule of conquest, then we see that he and God are in this battle and the battle is over us. Um, and that Satan has a right to interfere with us. And God doesn't have a right, does not have a right to intervene because we have chosen through our sin to come over to the devil's side. That's kind of the way it goes. So the enemy uses our sins and iniquities as evidence of the agreement that we've made with him and as proof of the court of, to the, before the court of heaven that his disputes and his petitions against us are justified. Well, here's, a, here's an example. Um, in Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 19 through 20, when Sanbel, the Horonite, mm-hmm. and to Tobiah, the Ammonite, official, and Geshem, the Arab, heard of it, that heard that they were going to be rebuilding the walls. It yeah. says they laughed us, laughed at us, mm-hmm. and despised us, and said, "What is this thing that you are doing?" And then they, we rebel against the king. So they're accusing them. The accuser of the brethren's right there, questioning, challenging, accusing. And here's the answer that Nehemiah gave. So I answered them, 
Now, it's important to answer right. the attacks of the devil. Exactly. Many times you need to answer them mm-hmm. out loud mm-hmm. in the name of Jesus. So I answered them and said to them, the God of heaven himself Amen. will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. But you have no heritage or right in, or memorial in Jerusalem. There was the affirmation. He knew he was moving in the will of God. He says, God's going to prosper us. He, he's expecting that there's going to be this resistance, but God's going to prosper them. They're going to build. They're going to do it at the direction of the Lord. And in that, doing the will of God, being obedient to rebuild the wall in this case, God himself was vindicated in and through his children. And that is the whole bottom line. Will God be, you know, we're asking God always to vindicate us and to to bring justice and whatnot. And that's all great. And we need that. But God himself needs to be vindicated. And the only way he can be vindicated is if we confess our sins and go back to doing his will with, you know, it says in the Bible in Daniel, those that know their God will do exploits. Those that know that they're not double-minded anymore. They know that God is God and God is good and that they then serve him no matter what. And that vindicates the love of God, that vindicates God in his, in his faith in us. God has faith in us because he chose us and made the promises to us because he wants us in his family. Here's a vindication in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 6, 15 through uh, 16. So the wall was finished, 25th day of Elul, in 52 days. The job got done. Mm, that's pretty cool. And it, and it happened. When all our enemies heard of it and all the nations around us saw these things, there's the witness to the nations, yeah, there you go. that they were very disheartened in their own eyes, for they perceived mm-hmm. that this work was done by our God. There's the, there's vindication. the vindication. Exactly. So, so the thing is, this, this whole thing of prayer and petition and intercession and your personal problems is all a situation opportunity where Jesus Christ wants to be vindicated and glorified and he wants to bring you good for God's glory and for your good. So when you're in a, and, but the thing is, again, we have like say a health issue uh, and we, we begin to mull it over and we begin to fret and we begin to worry. And then the doctors diagnose and then we go from bad to worse. And then everybody's, you know, fussing over us and, and nobody comes with a word of faith or somebody, you know, seems like they don't anyway. And so, but we have to understand this is a place. What does Jesus want to do right here, right now with your marriage, with your children, with this impossible situation? God wants to be glorified, vindicated, proven right in his goodness. And he wants to bless us. And the only way we can do that is to go up to the throne of grace and mercy with Jesus, our advocate right there and begin to say, God, your will be done. I confess the sins and the reason a lot of times the devil has got such access into our personal lives is because he had such access into our generations. And those sins are still opportunities, unconfessed, therefore still alive and viable. And Satan uses them to continue to bring his generational junk from one generation down into the next. And something that we see in the scripture and something we experience in our own lives is when lot, oftentimes we see when we really get to be praying, get serious about repentance, serious about seeking God, crying out to the Lord, and beginning to take action steps, we're praying in the will of God, and then all hell seems to break loose. Yeah. See what I'm saying? Not everything just gets resolved hunky-dory. Oh, I prayed. Mm-hmm. Then here's the answer. It's all hunky-dory. Well, that's a bad a, a lot of people get dismayed about that. They says, well, I prayed. And things got worse. Yeah, but you have to, well, then you have to come back with a spiritual response from the Word of God. And the Word of mm-hmm. God says all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. So whatever looks bad, Jesus said don't judge by appearances anyway because you're going to freak out if you do that and make a wrong decision. That's my paraphrase. But the thing is, we, we get backed up too easy. When it gets to be a, a battle, you just dig in. Nehemiah dug in, stand by it and develop. They didn't, they, they weren't adding to his help. They weren't helping him. They were resisting him. So he had to dig in deeper and he had to respond to them. And they threatened him with a letter from the king. I mean, this is kind of like an involved little deal. And they're going to get him in trouble with the king, the king who's the one who's permitted him, financed him being there. So now they're going to try to get the king to reverse the, the, the promise or the, the help. 
And so they were, you know, going to take him to court. How many of you are going to be taken to court? And you're freaking out. There were even uh, prophets and prophetesses that spoke against, against them. Oh, my. Yeah. Can they you were imagine? Pro- they were, they're saying prophetesses for the devil. Thus, thus say the Lord, you're doing the wrong thing. They were prophesying. They were prophets of the devil. I didn't know the yes. devil had prophets. That's interesting. Interesting. Oh, well, does. these are being he's, used he's by him. He's got lots of them. Yeah, they were they were puppets or whatever. Maybe they weren't prophets. Maybe they were puppets. Well, but, they were they were hired. But to see, yeah, hired to speak were, evil, hired, hired to speak curses. To speak. And here's another thing: yep. we can curse our own answers to prayer. You know, you get done with the prayer, and then you go back to well, you know, it's never going to work. Well, I still have the pain. Well, it's still not changing. You know. Again, the devil can hold on to the physical symptoms, the situation to make it look like something. You have got to, by faith in the promise of God, look at God and see the impossible and say, thy will be done, O God. I can't do this. God isn't asking you to do it. He's asking you to believe him to do it. That's the bottom line. And so um, so when we come into this place, the, for whatever the problem, you come prepared. Come boldly. Come focused. Come repentant come with that closes up this crazy crazy distractions and we come with to make our we we're focused we know what we're going to do we want to be there we begin to confess the sins make intercession um ask jesus our, our advocate attorney if he will to give us by through the holy spirit the the defense we need to make before god uh we confess our sin we acknowledge the sin uh, and then we begin to cancel it out through that confession and repentance. God, you're right. I'm, we're, we sinned. I sinned. Our generation sinned. We were corrupt. We believed lies. We practiced idolatry. We tried to do it ourselves. We looked to the use of false comforts, which is addictions. All these kinds of things. We appear before God and ask him, appeal to his mercy, reminding him of his covenant, his promise, his heart for us, asking for forgiveness, restoration, help, and deliverance. We are in the will of God when we're praying according to restoration and so we're canceling out our agreements with the devil and um, we're asking God to deliver us from our, in, in our immediate situation. Um, we're his children. And here's a t- kind of a bottom line, you know, is God more willing to answer the devil's petition or his own child's? What do you think? What do you think? Is he, is he eager to answer the devil's petitions or would he prefer to answer his own son or daughter's petition? Well, God is eager to answer the prayers of his sons and daughters. But and if some, we don't, sometimes we think he's really, he's really reluctant. There's an old saying that says prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance, but it's laying hold of his willingness. Well, God is willing. I think what prayer is too, is preparing us to receive the goodness of God and get over our own reluctance, fear and unbelief in believing that God is mad at us and et cetera, et cetera, because the devil's pumped us with that too. He's pumped us full of these, these negative thoughts, guilt, shame, condemnation, don't deserve, not good enough. Gotta be perfect. God's still mad at me for something I did 20 years ago and he's never going to listen, blah, blah, blah. All that stuff has to go to hell to shut that thing up. Tell it to shut up. And you go back to talking to the Lord. you this conversation is with you and God and let the, then let the court of heaven decide what they're going to do. Um, uh, the interesting thing is, Um, You know, we have to recognize that our sin and, 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 and the situation of our sin has put God in a place where Jesus said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God in Matthew 4, 7. We've put God in a tough spot because now he's going to have to let the devil have what he wants when God prefers not to. But we go back to like Jesus, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God and recognize that it's our disobedience and our unbelief. And believing and being deceived and seduced and, dis- and led astray by the enemy by by listening to the tempter that's put our God in a place of being tempted or tested Himself. Thou shalt not test the Lord thy God. Some of the versions say. But if you find if you go back to the Our Father, you see again another pattern of prayer. I'm kind of wrapping this up. But he's, he first of all, Jesus acknowledges the kingdom of God. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're adding our desires also to the desires of the kingdom of God. We're reinforcing, recommitting, re-acknowledging that our plan, life, and purpose is to do the will of God and thy kingdom come. Then he begins to tell us about making a specific request. What do you need? Daily bread, house payment, uh, deliverance from a bitter root judgment against you, uh, a court suit, uh, you know, uh, accusation. Then he goes to the next step is forgive Forgive our sins and that act of contrition, uh, repentance, because it is in that act of confession 
and in forgiving others who have held things against us that we are now released from the demonic accusation that we're judging them so therefore he can judge us. We get out of that accusation from hell by actually forgiving, releasing the judgment of that person or situation to the high court of heaven. Letting God be the judge. Please let God be the judge. He's righteous. He's just. He can sort out uh, the devil from the human. And so we forgive the sins of those who've acted against us. Forgive their trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And then he says, um, to lead us not into temptation, but to deliver us from the evil one. Therefore, we're talking, again, major, major acknowledgement of Jesus Christ here on the, the, uh, the battle, the conflict, the spiritual warfare that goes on, and asking us, telling us to ask God to deliver us from the snare, the evil one that has set for us. Deliver us from evil. Uh, lead us into your truth, protection, rest- restoration, healing. Deliver us from the snares of, the, of that our foolish behavior and sin has gotten us into. Um, acknowledging that, again, finally, that the kingdom of God is come. We want it to come in power and glory and to be established forever. So that's a really, again, we have the very same kind of outline of prayer uh, and boldness. Yes, you know Well, I would say here is a basis of prayer. You know, Jesus said in John 10, he talks about that his sheep know his voice. When he speaks, they recognize his voice. They don't follow the voice of strangers. When he leads us, he goes before us. He leads us. He speaks to us. We hear his voice. We follow. Mm -hmm. And and that's really the basis of all prayer. We've been talking a lot today about this um, identification, repentance prayers, these things that are very, very important. But the basis of this, kind of the microcosm of this, is is Proverbs 3, 5, and uh, 6, where we can go through verse 8. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. If you could just say, verse 5, Trust in in him with all your heart. Don't depend on your understanding. It doesn't say throw your understanding out, but trust him with all your heart. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In every every decision, every aspect, uh, practical, day-to-day stuff, you know, the time, the, the your schedule, all the things that you would, ha- mm-hmm. would do, uh, the people you would see, the contact, in all your ways, in every aspect of your life. Just in your heart, be looking to the Lord. Lord, show me, guide me, and then listen to what he says. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Mm -hmm. Depend on him. Lord, I am dependent upon you like a little child is dependent upon their parent. Mm -hmm. And uh, so this is is the basis. And uh, this is Humbling ourselves. Humbling ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so he will guide us. He will guide our our every step. He's promised Mm -hmm. to do that. He'll direct your paths. He'll make our paths straight. Absolutely. And, you know, the thing is, again, understanding the great cosmic importance of this prayer, intercession, repentance, is the vindication of both us and God against the enemy's onslaught and constant accusations. And we know that God will be glorified. We know his kingdom comes. But we also know that we are part of that kingdom. And for us to be part, a participating part, a victorious part of that kingdom, we must enter in to the conflict and enter into the victory, enter into the, the, the going back to the simple promise of God is good. God is able to do this. I believe that God is for me. God is for me, not against me. And they pray and believe for God's will, not the, not the, the imperfect will of God or the permissive will of God, but the perfect will of God in whatever situation, whether it's for a healing or for a deliverance or for whatever it is. God is able Mm-hmm. And he is willing That's right. to He's answer good. the cry of his people. And here's, here's what we can expect. He's able and willing to do this. Ephesians 3, 20, um, 20 and 21. And this is reading from the Amplified Bible. Now to him who by, in consequence of the action of his power, that is at work within us, is able to carry out his purpose and do superabundantly far above far over and above all that we dare ask or think infinitely beyond our highest prayers desires thoughts hopes and dreams to him 
mm-hmm. be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So be it. Amen. And so be encouraged. Take your prayer request to the Lord. Believe God and be encouraged. Um, if you are interested in any more information on this kind of topic, there are several books um, on our website, liferecovery.com, one called Taking the Devil to Court. Uh, I think it's um, probably about 200 pages. Um, Taking the Devil to Court. It's in the store. The other one is called Cravings. Why do I do what I do not want to do? And that also is uh, available through liferecovery.com. Those will give you a nice uh, laid out platform format uh, understanding what we're talking about today. So in you have a wonderful week. Don't be afraid to pray. Let prayer be your adventure this week and let it be the highlight of your week is going before the throne of grace and mercy. Father, we praise you and thank you for the privilege to come boldly before the throne of grace and mercy to, t- to find help in time of trouble. And you know that we are in severe trouble these days, but we rejoice even in that because you are faithful, you are good, and you're totally able to do and complete what you've promised and what you've begun. In Jesus' name. Amen. I have an emergency. What is your location? for your soul.